Welcome to season six, episode 11 of the podcast. And today we are joined by Young Simba or Oscar Young. Oscar is an IFBB pro and personal trainer based in the UK. He's also a trained by JP athlete. Oscar, thank you so much for coming onto our podcast. We're so happy to have you here and to, yeah, to find out your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, Oscar has just finished a leg workout. He's still at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Was it a good leg so session? That would make the sound breathless. Okay. Great. So, Oscar, maybe could you start just by telling us your. Your background, your history, how you got into bodybuilding and personal training? Yeah, um, to be honest, like, there's never a, like, a few people ask me this, like, how did you get into bodybuilding, thinking there's a bit of a backstory. But um, there isn't, like, when I was, you know, in my younger days, I didn't think, I, I, I didn't, think about training, if anything. I didn't think, you know, I didn't read the flex magazines and like look up to Ronnie Coleman. I, I didn't have a clue, you know. So it's just like, it was a case of just, I, I suppose, just uh, some form of insecurity and then you start training. And then as you train, you know, you have people who, who then um, look at you and think, you know, this guy's got something going for him. And that, that's like literally how I started, you know what I mean? It was just uh, from a point of, uh, so, so I just wanted to change my body, I suppose, uh, based off a comment someone made. And I was I was a bit more on the skinny side um, then, so it was just like, right, okay, it felt really shit, so you know what? I'm gonna do something about it. I went and got myself a personal trainer because I'm thinking, you know, Yes, you can you can play a victim, or you can think it's in my control to change this. Mm-hmm. If if this makes me feel shit, and that's what I did. The next day, I went and got a personal trainer who started training me. You know, in hindsight, you know it wasn't the best sort of training, but it got me into the game. And uh, there was training, training, and uh, next thing you know, someone suggested you know could you know. Your physique's actually decent. You could enter competition in the physique category, which I did. And um, I come out second. There's about 30 guys, and I come out second in that comp. So that was like the initial sort of ignition, if you like. And then uh, from there, obviously, that was like a qualifier, um, original qualifier. Then there was a final at the end of the year. And then I thought, okay, there's a final here. You know, things are going to be harder. And then I got myself a coach. You know, um, I was at Body Power, um, uh, which was the expo. You guys are aware of Body Power, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so I was at Body Power walking around and uh, actually asked one of the, one of the guys, uh, um, very well known in the industry, was like a teacher to, uh, to learn his called. You know, I'm looking to get a coach, who would you recommend? And uh, he gave me two names. He gave me Jordan Peters and Matt Combs. Um, when I got back home, I sent an email to both, you know, with inquiries. Matt Combs worked out a bit more expensive. Um, I could not afford his services. And um, I could afford Jordan's services. And um, that was that. And the rest is history. Here we are today, nine years deep. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, nice. Wow. Nine years. Wow. Nine years, yeah. That's incredible. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nine how years. How heavy so. were you when you did, sorry, how heavy were you when you did uh, physique? Physique, I was, uh, uh, listen, <laughs> I think I was about, <laughs> I was in my early 70s, I think. Wow. I was in my early 70s, I think. I put the comparison not so long ago yeah, on my Instagram, sorry. so it's just there from where it started to where I finished, you know, winning a pro card. So I have put on a stage weight of about 
40 kilos, 40, 50 kilos. Yeah, jeez. And that's a nine-year journey, which yes. is why I want to highlight that for a lot of people listening. It's not a quick, it's not a quick fix. It's nine years of hard work, consistency. And there's more failure than success in that nine years, which is what people do not see. And uh, mm. the, 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 the important thing, the important takeaway from this nine-year journey for me, as I put it across, is for people to try and change the perspective and realize that failure is an essential part of success. So the earlier you embrace failure, the earlier you're going to succeed. The earlier you look at it as a yeah. friend and not a foe, yeah. the earlier you're going to succeed. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the people constantly looking at failure like um, with some sort of, you know, running away from it. Mm. There's more lesson. There's more lessons in failure than there is in success. Like, what do you learn from winning? <laughs> I don't think, you, you know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing, but there's a feeling, there's a feeling of euphoria. Yeah. It's like being high on like the most expensive drug and it's addictive. So yes, that, that I can't say, you can say that for anything, you can't. But from failures, there's so much like, look, uh, look, look, at, look at this here for me. Let's break it down. Because they say, I did three shows, right? Yeah. In three weeks. So the first show, I went in, obviously a bit rusty, but I knew I was going to win that show. It was just original qualifier to be able to then be allowed to travel to do my pro qualifier in Finland. But when I went there, my presentation was so bad. I went from being in the middle which is when you're placed in a bodybuilding show in the middle, you know that's always the winner. But being in the middle for the entire time to being moved just in the last minute and going from first to third in a space of a minute, you know? Okay. Now, that was a big kick up my ass. And I thought, I have to sort things out and I have to get things in order for me to... I can't afford to make a mistake in Finland. Yeah. But it's a pro qualifier. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, it, you know, I had to come back. I tightened up my presentation, lost another four pounds. I went into Finland tighter the following week. The following week, got to Finland, got beat by a better guy, comes a close second. Right, okay. What, what am I missing? Went to the judge. He said, You're missing the condition, you're missing the detail on your legs, which the winner had. Okay, come back. Took off another five pounds in one week, the hardest week of my life. Jeez. Cardio twice a day, no carbs from from the time I stepped off stage in Finland. Literally just protein and fats, you know, yeah. doing double cardio session, twenty thousand steps a day. I went to Norway, and then uh, um, it was same judge. I gave him what he asked for. He had no choice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Now you want to, so if I then bring this back to the first show, if I'd won that first show, I probably would not have my pro card now because I'd have just been sat on my laurels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah. Walking in there like I'm the winner. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so there's true. so much to learn from um, failure than there is from success. So that is like almost the biggest takeaway for myself. And that the listeners would really benefit from bodybuilding is a very big metaphor to life. So, yes. you know, that's why I love bodybuilding because everything we do translates to everyday life. True, you tell true, me what true. doesn't translate. True, you know true. what I mean? The discipline and everything. It's like we, we fight. We're in a daily fight in your head. You're fighting um, discipline. You know what I mean? The discipline to to eat healthy, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Uh, the discipline to, uh, uh, you know, you fail urges, you know what I mean? The urge to stray away from your partner, do you know what I mean? You fight in the urge to to do things that you're not, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The urge to, to spend yeah. money buying something that will leave you broke, do you know what I mean? That's, it's a constant battle in your brain every day with just temptations coming left, right and center. So for me, it's a big, big metaphor. And that's why I'd say, you know, people talk about self-love. 
And you know, you look at self-love and you try and think is it a case of just loving yourself and personally I think it's just about being disciplined and holding yourself to high standards. Do you know what I mean? And having non-negotiables yeah. that that you know what I mean, that this is a standard that's set and you don't go below that by all means necessary and holding yourself accountable, getting someone else to hold you accountable. And um you know, you do that at work because, you know, you want a promotion or you want to earn more money or it's simply your business, you want to make it successful. Yeah. You do that in your relationship, if you're in a relationship, every day is work. You gotta to work to, to keep the relationship afloat, to keep your partner interested, you gotta make an effort. You, you, you go to the gym, you gotta put an effort. It's about progressing and being better every day. So you tell me where bodybuilding doesn't apply. Yeah, Everywhere. So, so true. <laughs> think some of our listeners know you're Kenyan, so could you tell us a bit about how you moved from Kenya to the UK or, you know, how your journey from, because we know yes, your roots well, are Kenyan. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, my mom was Kenyan, my dad was actually Sudanese, uh, but obviously I did fly with Kenyan because that's where I was born in Stafla, but um, um, the thing is, um, my mom passed away at a very early age, and uh, then it's just a case of, you know, um, things got so hard so quick, yeah. um, and then um, and then just through some help, through a, through a bit of a trust fund, and pulling things together, then I ended up in the UK, and then I went to Reading College at first, which is where I stayed for the majority of my life, and uh, on my initial arrival here. Um, did journalism and photography there? Wow! You know something that <laughs> something that obviously I left there. Like half of us, you know, do this in uni then end up the opposite direction. Yep. <laughs> so um, yeah, so then I moved up to Manchester with my partner there, who is the one who pushed for the move up to Manchester. Then we got here, we stayed here for a bit. She went to the states, wanted to move to the states again. I, 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 when I go to Manchester, I fell in love and I was at home here, so I told me you carry the house for years and the rest is history again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I had two of my best friends. So we're doing some uh, boot camps outside in the park. Um, you know, we had a few locations, a few kettlebells and this and that. So we just used to do those. They got very busy. We transferred to one of my friends, Park Garden set up a big rig and we used to have people come to us so we did like a 12-week camp we used to call them and uh you know once again we overdrew that and then between both of them we put in together then we have what we call a frontline free performance center which is what you will see yeah. later on my instagram page um seven thousand square feet it's like a toy ground full of all sorts of equipment that you can imagine, Prime and Atlantis and Watson and uh, all the best gear you can think of. So here we are. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, you're, so, so how long have you been a personal trainer for? Uh, 15 years, 15, 16 years, yeah. So actually when we used to do that, I used to be a Virgin Active, mm-hmm. which is like um, a commercial gyms. I did that yeah. and I did the boot camps yeah. uh, because, you know, there, there's no, like if there's any aspiring personal trainers, the best advice I could give you is start up in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. You have awkward clients. If you can solve their problems, then you can then move into a private facility after and be successful there. But don't jump the chain and uh, try and be an online trainer and, you know what I mean? Gather some hours on the gym floor. Um, improve their experience there, then move up into the chain and see 
uh, what the rest has to offer. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try and move into uh, where I can get a charger because my phone's going to die. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a charger with me to stay on the line. No worries. But, uh, no worries. It just flashed there, so. Oh, right, yeah. so. Even better. Oh, yeah. Put the light in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with a charger now, that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like too hard to hold it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was that. And then obviously, you know, when we got the facility, we just tried getting it bit by bit. And um, yeah, like anything, one was not built in a day. So over time, you know, we were up and running within business. Um, the the sort of uh, uh, SP is um, group training and personal training. Uh, but other than that, it's semi-private. It's just not open to the public mm-hmm. uh, because uh, then it helps us. It helps us uh, really give. Uh, the top tier service. Yeah. So when personal, your personal training, you can just go from one machine to the next. Mm-hmm. So then it allows us to charge uh, premium fees yeah. that way. And then the kit stays brand new. You don't have any Tom Dick and Harry coming in. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and not really being uh, careful with the kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. it looks like an amazing setup. And. Um, so do you coach competitors as well? Actually, not really. I'm just mm-hmm. going to go online, I think, in mm-hmm. the next month or two. I'm just throwing around in a few systems or there's an offer current to the table to join one of the trainers here who's already got like a good company going. So it's just really something that I am thinking about at this moment in time. So I just deal with average judge, to be honest. Yeah. My passion is still on the team floor, but obviously as I go forward then I have to reconsider that a bit to be able to be flexible and commit three more hours to my body building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And oh sorry. No, I think Andy was it. No, I was asking any idea when like your next competition is or are you now planning your off season? So so now I'm in the sub recovery phase, but really you know, because of how hard I push my body. Mm. Uh, I've never done that like three shows in three weeks and each of them dropping weight when mm-hmm. you're very lean and you have to take up four pounds. Uh, it really, really, really hits you hard. So we just saw recovering, but still in an off season. So, you know, at this point in time, you know, I was 20 pounds over my lowest weight. So we're going to take, I mean, the mini cut. So we're going to take six pounds off. And then for, uh, the next 12 weeks, we're going to put that six pound back on. Mm-hmm. Whenever we finish, we start dieting there and then, and then pick a shot from there mm-hmm. for a pro debut. Oh, nice, nice. Wow. Yeah. Sounds sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's all mapped out. So yeah, like um, the other thing I say, like it's like success is a very thin line. So the chances that you just stumble upon it is very very slim, if any. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so true. then you have to plan things. Yeah. You have to set focal points, and then you know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going. Then the world that we live in today is going to tell you where you, you're going and who you are. But that's what I say, like, you, you know, that's why I can talk to you in blocks. Like, yeah. the next five weeks, you're going to take five pounds off. After that, we have 12 weeks of putting it back on. Yeah. Whenever we finish, we're going to die for 16 weeks. So everything is so mapped out so that we're clear on everything. So you're just not solve. You see, this is the problem. A lot of people don't set very, very particular goals because they fear failing mm-hmm. and then everyone's saying oh yeah yeah, yeah. you fail <laughs> so they, they just sort of browse about that way if they fail yeah. then they didn't commit in the first place <laughs> so which I feel is just that's just really satisfying your ego really mm-hmm. because when you go to bed you know yourself really you did fail because you didn't set a particular goal you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think the secret is in just making a commitment. Like, 
can you imagine just going your full life without ever committing to anything? Be hard. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> without ever making a commitment. People do it. People coast through life without committing. No commitments to a goal, no commitment to in work, no commitment in a relationship because it would just be a failure. Yeah. Yep. So, you look at the successful people who have a success story, they can tell you stories for a full day about how much failure they've had. But that's what separates us from them. Because they don't give a shit. They fail and go again. Guess yeah. what? Drop one, get up on your feet. Drop twice, up again you go. Yeah. Eight times down, nine times nine off. Time. <laughs> you know? But you have to have a goal then. You have to commit. You have to say, right, Andy, this is that. I've told you what I'm doing next day. And that's that. Do you know what I mean? And that is it. The aim is to qualify for the Olympia. Yeah, you know I mean? But I can't watching. be quiet and make and say, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Fuck that. Yeah. Life is so short. Yeah. The aim is to qualify for the Olympia. That's next year. Nice. So hopefully I'll have that tracksuit. Come November, have the red and black tracksuit. The track red suit. and black tracksuit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The red and black tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The Olympia one. <laughs> but you have to speak it out. If I don't believe in myself, why should you believe in me? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So you just have to speak these things out. You have to commit yourself. I can't lose. How can I lose? If I don't get there, guess what? I've learned something. I go again. Mm-hmm. If I don't get there, guess what? I've lost something. I've learned something else about myself, about the process. And if I try a third time and I don't get there, now I've got so many lessons I can write a book. <laughs> And, so the and still make money from it. <laughs> exactly. So tell me where I failed. <laughs> While you're talking, I'm winning. Yeah. Because talk is cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Any sort of uh, competition in mind or in that? Uh, so, um, do you have like a goal competition that you look to start with after the... No, 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 because some of the calendars are not out yet. Mm. But what I know is, uh, what I said, uh, listen, so obviously I come back, there was the first Arnold in the UK this year. Yeah. For the first time he came to the UK. I was there. Um, I had the honor of presenting uh, uh, the prize to the winners. Nathan Diash who won the men's open. Mm-hmm. And I went to that stage yeah. and looked out and uh, I said to myself, Honestly, I, I was emotional, and I thought, you know what, nothing just happens. You know, I believe that nothing just happened, mm. and I thought next time I'll be on the stage, someone else will be giving me something. Yeah. You know, and guess what? My aim is to compete in the two twelve, nice, and that's yeah. just been announced not yesterday, the day before yesterday. So I'll definitely be doing that show nice. next day. Yeah, always praying for the gift of life. Well. Yeah. Just pray for the gift of life and good health. Yeah. If that's given to me, I'll be there. That's the goal. Oh, nice. I'll be there. But I'll have done it because that's late in the year. I'll have to have done a few shows. Yeah. Maybe two, three shows before oh. that. Mm-hmm. I want to go there with a radio calling, uh, with an Olympic calling yeah. uh, or Olympic invite, and then just see our fair. So yeah, very, very, very interesting day coming up. Yeah. Well, um, Andy was at the uh, Arnold. He was competing yeah. as well. Yeah. It's freezing. It's freezing a bit. Are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. Because you keep going still. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. I was saying Andy was at the Say Arnold again? UK. Andy was at the Arnold UK. He did his competition there. You say again because that didn't come across clearly. Uh, we were saying Andy was at the Arnold UK. I think our internet is just bad. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, ask him. Ask him how great it was. Honestly, it was yeah, 12 midnight. It was 12 midnight. Yeah, when the cross came in, it was 12. And the place, like, it seats about 8,000 people. 
it was packed. And Andrew was sending them out to managing them. It was screaming and shouting. I've never seen anything like it. It just had me so excited. The whole place was packed. Like the whole weekend was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I competed first thing in the morning. Yeah. And it was manic, manic from then on. Yes, 100%. Great, great atmosphere. And I think it'll be twice twice as good next day, you know, with restrictions easing and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think next year it will be even better. Slightly better. Yeah, for sure. And. Yes. Um, so in yes, it should be much much better next year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we'll we'll be looking for you there. Oh yeah, we'll be ready. <laughs> can can you hear us? Okay, Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's the goal, definitely, that um, we're working to achieve. So as I come off, you you're coming and going. Let me connect to my. Okay. Let's just get some. Yeah, your screen is just frozen. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll switch data. Connect to your bundles. Yep, we're just connecting to our phone. Wi Fi. Uh, the dog in your picture, your profile picture. Second. I like the dog in your profile picture. My profile picture, where? Uh, on on your Zoom. It's a it's a cute picture uh, of the dog. <laughs> uh, that is um, yeah yeah that is one of my friends' dogs. I don't know, Andy, do you know Callum? Yeah. Yeah. Callum. Do you know Callum? Yeah, that's Callum. It's Callum, yeah, Callum Reed. That's his dog, yeah. Yeah. The muscle mentors. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, that's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So, Oscar, I saw in like your... That's why I love my dog's fault. Sorry. It's on your um, like on your Instagram, you do sort of a lot of mobility work, and you work with like uh, Dr. Jordan Shallows. Is that a big part of your training? So again, you saw me with Jordan Shallows. Uh, well, I just saw that you you like he follows you. You follow him. You do a lot of mobility work. Is that yeah, a big yeah, part yeah. of your training? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So so Jordan Shallows. Yeah, yeah, very much, because Jordan Shallows came to our facility with Ben Popolski, and uh, that's where we met. Mm-hmm. So whilst they were here, I just trained with them, you know, for the time, I think it was for a week, they were here, we trained together every day, built, and, uh, built a relationship, and the same year, I went to New York, uh, I tend to go to New York for Christmas, I went there, and we met up there, spent some time there, met together, Got to know him a bit more. Uh, when I come back, he had um, the prescript set up, which was his uh, sort of online education. I was set up over the lockdown, so I enrolled in that, did that. So that was about strength, mobility, and how they interconnect. So, yeah, very, very much brought into um, preparation before the workout by mobility because then. Uh, Without uh, without the without mobility, you can't get into them deep ranges, you know. So mobility then becomes a prerequisite to strength, you know. If you know, without mobility, there's no stability. Without stability, there's no strength. So yeah, you know, changed my way of thinking in terms of um, um, uh, physique preparation before training. You know, is to just go in and do all of sets on the machine. Now, you know, if it's like a leg session, I open my hip, gates up, you know, lower back, you know, you look at 
priming things, you know, like mostly before I do a chest session, I look at preparing the C joint, the upper traps, the lower traps, and the relationship um, uh, in regards to pressing. So pay a lot of attention to that. So yeah, very, very big part of it. And, you know, we have a very good relationship with him as well. So we bounce ideas back and forth every now and then. He's planning a tour to the UK. I actually discussed it the other day, asking him to give me more details about it because it's not been back since because of the lockdown and all that. Yeah, yeah it's crazy how it's one of the the mobility and uh, you know preparation before training. It was never considered very hardcore, so you never saw it in magazines. You never saw the like bigger guys do it because it, it just wasn't considered too hardcore and yeah i think a lot of people miss out when they they don't include that in their training yeah it's, it's just underrated and if you're not you got to think how you prepare your body will determine how you perform yeah so if your body is nice warm mobile then chances are you will be hitting decent uh, ranges of motion, the chances are the muscles are now quite relaxed and allow you to go into places where you're weak and be stable there more than anything. This is why people struggle with range because most of the ranges at the extremes, you're not feeling very safe. So yeah. that's why people press up here, people don't go nice and deep mm-hmm. because then you feel a bit vulnerable. So when with mobility drills, they allow you to well, they give you the confidence to be able to go there and work there because in life, how I look at it, and this is me going back to the metaphors and how they cross over, the answer that you're looking for is always where you don't want to go <laughs> in anything in life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a flat chest that you're struggling to grow, it's because the answer is in the, parts, in the portion of the range. That you never you want, to want to go. To go to. So you're going around asking people for advice and saying this, and you want to take this as a supplement and that. And it's like, no, the answer is right underneath your nose. Yeah. It's that you're running and away it's there from. For free. <laughs> and it's there for free. You don't have to pay anything. You just have to be brave, prepare your body the right way, and then go there and work where you're weak. Don't work. Everyone is strong in the big range. Yeah. Everyone is. That's how we create it. Everyone is strong from here to there. From here to there, everyone is strong. But very few people will go there because you're weak. And every now and then when you go there, you get injured because you don't look to get strong there. So if you look at most of my videos, pressing, no one lifts the weight for me because I have a golden rule. If I can't push the weight the first breath, oh, yeah. then I have no business lifting, lifting that weight. Exactly. And, uh, I like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... Then when people lift the weight up for you, then you don't take that initial rep. Then when you go there to where that rep would have been, guess what? Now you turn your peg. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So you true. know. Yeah. So it's just it's just um it's just really staying basic and really focusing on the fundamentals rather than digging your head into all the nuances and the science and and everything else, you know, I don't disregard science. I definitely follow the principles of hypertrophy, you know, but you should work with where you are, tick all the boxes where you are, you know, and then move. Earn the right to move up the ranks. Mm-hmm. Earn it. Just don't go up yeah. because it seems fancy. If you look at my page, the lists are the same. It's like some people probably are following things, fucking out. He's deadlifting again. You know, do you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, because you know what? It's so hard yeah. just to think of one thing and progress it. So what do most of us do? Once it gets challenging, you change it. Yeah. <laughs> change it, change and it's hard to explain that to clients. I explain that to clients that we're going to do the same exercises for eight weeks, 12 weeks or longer. Blows their mind because they're like, oh, so cool. But actually, that's how you progress. Do the same thing yeah. and standardize yeah. it. Yeah, 100%. And it's just getting a buy in, you know what I mean? If initially 
you know, it's never, it's never a case of what you say, it's how you say it. I could be filling you guys with a lot of shit here. And you could be blaming me because I, I, I just be confident in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> if you just tell them to do things and then you explain it after them, and then they see a bit of progress, then they get again. And then now you're going to have to discuss about it again. Yeah. But initially, if they ask, how long is this program going to last for? I don't even answer that question. I'm like, you don't need to know. You've got so much things here to talk about than that. Enough. Your programs are bigger than that. So let's, let's get it right. Before they know it, they've done the program for 10 weeks. Now, guess what? They're seeing progress. They don't even ask him how long the plan's going for. When you're progressing, you never question anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you just crack on. It is. You just crack on because it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's usually the hardest question to answer, to be honest. It's like, how how long are we going to be doing this? And you're like, huh. Bro, you, so you should, you're, you, listen, you're in charge. <laughs> this person, it's like, if you went, if you went to, you sat in a hospital and you sat for some doctor, and the doctor says, I'm going to prescribe penicillin to you as an antibiotic. You say, well, why don't you give me thinking? Like, you would never ask that because of the, how they say it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, this is what you need. This You're going to get this. Yeah. You're going to take it twice a day. You're like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, because you've gone there for their help. Otherwise, then you cure yourself where you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than that, if clients you speak from a point of authority, so long as you can back what you're saying off, yeah. you can back up that rationale, then you'll be confident. Mm-hmm. If you're guessing, then you won't be confident. Then you won't be confident in here. Very true. Then obviously, it's shaky ground. Mm. <laughs> and Oscar, do you, did you, does the way that you train your clients, is that a similar way to how JP coaches? Is your philosophy similar? No. Uh, some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Because you meet people where they are mm-hmm. and you respond to their needs where they are. Yeah. The worst thing would be is to train all your clients the way you train. Because they oh, are yeah. not you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Everything is different experience, biomechanics, the needs, the goals. This is a whole way that I train with low volume. And to be able to successfully be successful with low volume, we're going to learn how to train hard, mm. how to apply effort. Mm-hmm. And very few, few people can apply effort, even at pro level. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's an art because <laughs> that you, you have to learn it and you have to expose yourself to train with people who are stronger than you very, very frequently. And then you're humble. I think you know a, a, a low, a low volume training requires that high intensity approach and for people who've never gone there that's actually harder to fathom they don't know what actual failure is yeah they know how to reach failure you know 100 percent 100 percent that's absolutely accurate so then this person might need three four sets you know so that's what you give them you know, for me, I don't. Like, I'm supposed to work out later, good legs, two sets of leg rest, one set of Smith, ext- uh, Smith squat, two leg extension, one hamstring curl. And that's enough for me. Yeah. Because guess what? When I went into it, it's balls to the wall. I'm taking that set like someone's going to go into my head and they're going to explode it if I don't finish it. You know, I've got a sponsor who I trust in. So I don't even think about the risk. I just work. If they say one more rep, I give it them. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Well, for most clients, it's not even that mental fortitude. They lack that. It's the fact that they can't even brace and be stable. So what you're asking for, you're asking for a lot of trouble there yeah. by taking them to failure because then they get injured on your watch. And that's not a good experience. For me, the goal is for a client to walk out of the gym better than when they walked in. Yeah. So if they walk out with an injury, I've failed. Ah, for sure. 
Eso es siempre yeah no I agree I think it, it is very hard um, for many people to do low volume high intensity it really does take a long time and like you said to train with people who are stronger than you um, so that you know what it looks like <laughs> and what it feels like yeah it's like if, if you ask me there now do I train hard I'll say no because guess what could always be better. Yeah. All I need is to take a trip down to with Jordan. <laughs> and then I'm home home. Then I come back here and then my game is I have to walk my game again. Yeah. And then I do six months and I go training with Jordan again. Then I'm like, oh fucking shit. I need to <laughs> I gotta be better. Just step on guess what? I gotta step up. But the the fun is each time I do that, my, my body's just changing. <laughs> So the Zen is never at the top of the mountain. The Zen is in the journey. Mm -hmm. You know, as the journey goes, you're learning a lot about yourself. You're learning a lot about uh, the psychology behind training. The psych how to approach a set. You know, lackluster attitude. You approach a set, it will bite you back. Sometimes, not only will you vomit, sometimes you can even come out injured. So there is a certain mindset. I mean, for me, like it was my mom's anniversary uh, yesterday. So like today, I've come in knowing, mate, this workout is getting crushed. Do you know what I mean? Because where I am emotionally, I'm very vulnerable. And once I feel that way, I only need the right music. Yeah. And then I don't even feel the weight, which is quite dangerous that way. You know, like I'll, I'll break the leg press. And I don't even feel the first three reps because I'm very emotionally charged, but I'm not. I'm still in control. And that's what I'm talking about. Finding that balance of using emotion. It's like not being out of control, where you just is full on rage. But if you looked at me, you would not know. But inside, I'm absolutely bubbling. I'm like a lava ready to explode. Like a volcanic mountain just ready to make its job. But then, after the set's done, I'm nice. <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to go to that place sometimes when you're... Yeah, but sometimes it's not very positive all the time. Yeah. But like today, it's just, for me, yeah. it's vulnerability, it's power, you know? Now, if we talk about how we were raised, I was having this conversation actually earlier today, and I digress. Yeah, I saw your post on... As uh, Africans, we, we're not... <laughs> We're not raised to be vulnerable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you don't even your parents don't even talk to you about mental health. You know? So it's like you're just ready to be strong and to crack on. You know what I mean? Oh, I feel sick, mom. Fuck off. Just crack on. There's be a man. so much trouble in the house anyway that we can't be talking about that. There's no money, there's lack of this. So, you know, we don't talk about mental health. And then you grow up as an adult and you think, fuck, I didn't even I wasn't taught how to how to juggle my emotional health, mental health. And now as an adult, you're gonna learn how to really control yourself and how to really address your mental health. And you know, growing up I just thought this is a white man thing, you're taught only white people have those issues. Yeah. You know, and then you realise, no, we're all human beings. And you know what? We all have fears, we all have doubts. You all have, you know, things, if someone passes away in your family, the grief is the same. You know, so, you know, I had, I don't want my mom for so long, and then I had to have therapy, because all I had was delayed grief, yeah. because I had to survive soon as my mom passed away. So I wasn't allowed the time to grieve, because I was like, oh, 16, 17 years old, shit, guess what, I'm going to survive, I don't even grieve. As I got older, then things are starting to catch up with you, they're like, fuck. You know, I don't know how to address this feeling that in my head. So then I have therapy and things start making sense. You're exposed to the world a bit more. You speak to a lot more people who know a lot more. You read a lot more books. And then you're like, okay, I'm a bit late, but the journey's begun now yeah. to, to look inward and to go into the dragon's den. 
and they can pack all these feelings that have been compartmentalized into one Benjamin shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you realize in vulnerability there is power. It's weak to be vulnerable. It's powerful. Do you know what I mean? But you never thought that as a black man growing up. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, why are you crying? We can sort yourself out. Do you know what I mean? You're human. It's a human emotion. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that really, really needs to be addressed in African and black community. Mental health. You, you know, you do your research. Half of us are fucked in the head. We can't hold them back. We can't hold the relationship together because of issues that we know are packed in ourselves. So we have attachment disorders, that we fucking can't open up to other people because there's just so much that you, then you, you haven't got that uh, almost uh, you need a relationship which is like that being tactile and emotionally open to your partner. You haven't got that because you don't know what it is. You know, and your partner's saying to you, you know, I don't feel a connection with you. And it's almost like they're, they're speaking French because in your head, you just fight. You don't understand. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Now, this is important, but anyway, I digress. That's another topic altogether. But, yeah, it's uh, still part of the health and, you yeah. know, the training. And it's, it's a lo- I guess a lot of people go to the gym to try and address those issues, but in just a different way. Uh, but you've got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. you've got to talk about exactly. it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I emphasize when I feel this emotional, I'm not coming to the gym to get my emotions out. I'm just using my vulnerability as power. As power, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How vulnerable I feel, I'm using it to get my shit done today. Mm-hmm. But I'm not hiding them. I'm not hiding them to me. I'm thinking, yeah, I go to the gym to you. No. Mm-hmm. You know, I know now better to talk like I'm talking about it now. Yeah, openly. Do you know what I mean? And that there's, there's power in talking about it. And that's what people should realize. You know, it's okay to feel like you feel whatever it is that you feel. Mm-hmm. Just talk about it and spread the, spread the load. Yeah. yeah if, you, so, if you take your emotions to the gym, try to hide them in the gym, Often you'll you'll have bad sets. Yeah, yes. the emotion takes over, and, and, yeah, and yeah. yeah, then you're not in control. That's what you're saying. Yeah, then you get injured because you're not in control. Yeah. That's why I say for me, obviously I've mastered this for a long time. I can go to the middle where I'm tethered between being emotional, between rage and control and crying. So I'm just staying in the middle, and I get my shit done and I come out. Now, do I do that every day? No, because no. it's not healthy mm-hmm. to keep going yeah. in those dark places. Yeah. Because then you're left very fatigued emotionally, and then you have to pick yourself up. And so every now and then, you know, you need to go back. Yeah. So, yeah. So, on a, like on a normal day, what's that one song that gets you into that? It, it, well, it depends on how I feel. Yeah. It depends on how I feel. You know, like today, it's Kanye West's album, you know what I mean? The new album, oh, nice. which is dedicated to his mom. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a few, like we're on together, and you know, and it just fits the occasion. True. You know what I mean? Because the loss of a man, the loss of a mother, for me and say to the next person, it's the same. And I feel it's my opinion that you know, it's the hardest if you put a father and a mother and one of them is going to pass away, a lot of people would opt for the father, but, you know, who knows? It depends on the relationship. A majority would opt for that. Mm. Because mostly a man and his mom, it's a bond that's never been seen. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Nice that's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wishing for anyone's father to die. Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> women, women are so pivotal. Yeah. Um, in your upbringing, you know, and they love you unconditionally. You know, you can come home and say, I'm gay. And your father would, would easily walk out and think, I'm not taking this. Your mother will, will sort of get her head round it and still love you. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
Because <laughs> men haven't got that maternal instinct, we can just be touched easily. The women, you know, the difference. It's different. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it is so important to have those conversations, and especially about mental health, and yeah, especially for men as well to talk about it. And I always say, like, as as we're all personal trainers and online coaches as well, like, so much of the of coaching is is psychology, um, and just yeah, dealing with with mindset. One hundred percent. It's just once you can master psychology, you know, it's like making people feel, making someone feel something. If I can make you feel special now, you won't do anything for me, anything, because as humans we respond to that. You will forget what someone gave you, but you'll never forget how someone made you feel. Yeah. Then ten years down the line, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that's how strong it is. So then, if you can get a buy-in and get people to feel special, people will jump books for you any day. And that's what we need to do to clients. It's a bit like people can argue, it's a bit of manipulation. Is it? Yes and no. But hey, we need a job to get done. You get paid to do something. You do it by by all means necessary. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. And... And I mean, it is such a huge part. I almost feel like it should be part of like the personal training curriculum to some degree, because you're not given any training. Yeah. And I mean, you you obviously need to refer out for some clients, but I think it should be part of it because it, you know, you're especially when you're doing face to face training, you see your clients sometimes more than they see their family or friends. You know, you're seeing them three or four times a week for an hour or so. It's you know, you're a huge part of their life. But um, I don't think it can be taught. I just think, and this is what I say, like, it's important we do hours on the gym floor because you gather a lot of experience. You get a lot of awkward clients. Yeah. And if you can solve their problems, then, you know, you get seasoned by each hour you do on the gym floor. You know? So, and then over so many years, then what you have is experience that's been picked up about human behavior. And then you cram it all into a box and you know how to use it against humans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then as you then get into the 10-year mark of coaching, then now you start looking towards the courses that will put that knowledge you have together. And then you can correlate human behavior and stuff like that. But I always use the analogy, people ask me on the site of the train by internal JP site, I want to be an online trainer. It's like, look at, look at, look at an Airbus, right? The biggest plane, the double decker, say, yeah? So, look at the pilot. How old do you think the pilot is? When you, when you fly, when you fly and you're going in a big plane, how old is always the pilot? Are they older or are they younger? Yeah, always old men. They're always old men. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like this guy's become a captain at maybe 50, 60. Oh, yeah. Why? Oh, yeah. Because to fly that plane, you need so many hours under your belt. Mm-hmm. So it, it will take the majority of your life try to get those hours. And then once you get them, then you qualify to fly a plane, airbus. Do you know what I mean? But only until you accumulate those hours. And most of those guys are ex-military because guess what? Only in the army can you get planes oh, yeah, to fly that. every day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you have to pay for it yourself, it's very big. It's, it's there. It's very expensive. So most of those guys are ex-military. And that's how they've, they've been able to get those hours under their belts. I think it's like twenty-five or 30,000 hours before you fly that. So that's the same as a personal trainer. You want to get so many hours on the gym floor to be able to earn your rights and go online. If you can't solve someone's problem face to face, how can you solve it when you can't see them? I can't see them. <laughs> Being close to impossible. There you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like the problem is everyone it is fashionable to be online now and it looks like a 
quick banner so everyone wants to go down that way. But if you're not getting transformation from the gym from mate, you're not getting transformation online. Trust me. You know the psychologist the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is true. You do need that experience first, for sure. And so, I don't know, Andy, have you got any any other questions? No, I don't think we've covered anything. Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear. There's a lot more, you know, discussion about psychology of training, which is, uh, yeah, which is a, a nice surprise for the change. Good. Good. And then, you know, and for me, you know, like, I enjoy that side. And, you know, you look at my Instagram, there's very much about mindset and very little about the actual training because a lot of people are already covering that. There's nothing new to say about training. Get strong on all rep ranges, 5, 10, 15, 20. Use good form. Yeah. Job done. Definitely. That's it. Not to get strong across different rep ranges with this important focus. Uh, only use volume you can recover from. Eat your food. Focus on your sleep and digestion. Manage your stress and you're laughing. So how many posts yeah. like that can I write? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But also, the people who follow me know that they don't, they know that. So every now and then I mention that, it's just a reminder. So I enjoy delving in, in towards mindset and stuff like that because the battle is never over in your mind. Looking ahead now, there's, it's a commotion in your head, like thoughts are just filtering in your head all day. You go to bed, you haven't got a break, it's still there with you. You wake up, it's just still there. It's just on and on and on. And every day has new battles and new experiences. And how do you manage yourself from day to day, from this situation to that situation, and stay focused on what your goal is? It's, it will take your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone is different. Yeah. And everyone's got it. But we all know what we have in common. Because everyone's got these demons that you go face. So every day you better go into the dragon's den. Well, it's totally. Because if you wait for the dragon to come out, guess what? It won't be so good. Yeah. So you've got to work on yourself on a daily basis. And you're always caught in that stack of work from building up to where now it is unbearable. But yeah, that is, uh, that's it in a nutshell, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I think that, I think that's fascinating and, yeah, such an important side of training that not, not many people talk about yeah. and it should be. Yeah, training is easy, but that, the psychological side of it, that's, where the, that's what they want to talk about it because it's complex. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It yeah, it's uncomfortable, it's complex, but I'm not saying I've got the answers. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, the goodness, what is a good person? You know what I mean? A good person is just someone who's attempting. So the goodness is in the attempt. So long as you're not waiting yeah. there and working on yourself, that's good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one has the answers. And you're in business when you know, the day you know that you know nothing, you're in business. When you can accept that, yeah. then you're yeah. in business. Yeah, when you can so accept true. it. <laughs> yeah, when you can accept that you're a fool, mm -hmm. then you're in business. Not a fool as in putting yourself down. Well, mm -hmm. if you're a fool, then guess what? You can, you're always open to learn. To learn, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but if you say that you know, then guess what? You got nothing to learn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so important to always have that sort of beginner mindset to everything and see. Yeah, what it is. takes humility. It takes humility. You know what I mean? You constantly remind yourself that 
you're insufficient. But the upside of that is you always know you can be better. Okay, yeah. There's always a place for you to be better. Mm-hmm. If you then accept your fall, you always have an open mind. And you always be the winner because you're always winning by learning. Learning and improving. Yeah, and improving. That's what life is about. Mm. So long as you're edging forward, jobs are good then. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like that. So many analogies to put to sort of equate to the bodybuilding, fitness, you know, the yeah, mental yeah, space. Yeah, I would say again, it's just a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Bodybuilding yeah. is a metaphor to life itself. Yeah. So, you know, some people look at it as a vain spot, but there's so much they can take away from this and apply it to your daily life. Yeah. And, um, you know, and just be better as a person. Life is already so hard for us now, and guaranteed half of us make it even harder by the choices that we make on a daily basis. You go home today and analyze all the choices you made today, and you will find a lot of choices that are not helping you have the life that you've envisioned. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Some of them choices you've made unconsciously. Some of them you've made unconsciously. Yeah. Because, because we all know better, but do we do better? No. Because it is hard to do better. Mm-hmm. So we're back to the start. You just try it every day. Yeah. And yeah. then assessing it at the end of the day. And then thinking, okay, tomorrow I'll do better. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's all you can ask for from yourself. To, yeah, not, yes, yes. not feel... Fear failure and to yeah, just keep on trying and enjoying. One hundred percent. Well, Oscar, thank you so so much for coming on. I know you've got to go and eat you your uh, rice oh, yeah. mints. Rice <laughs> mints and uh, <laughs> the good stuff uh, the, and the best meal of the day. <laughs> yeah, and I I think we we have a I mean our audience is varied, but a lot of a lot of bodybuilders here um, who already find you very inspiring. So, yeah, that it means a lot that you came on to talk to us. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's like, you know, when I'm going to touch, you know, it's just a case of finding a time to do it. You know, at the end of the day, you know, what is the purpose? The purpose, the goal, what is the goal? The goal has to be bigger than yourself. You know? So if the goal is bigger than yourself, then, you know, when times get hard, you cannot bail. So my goal is to serve this. My goal is to serve other people. Do you know what I mean? Then by default, I, I achieve my goal by default. But the main goal is to live a life of service. So, coming onto this platform, the goal is to give people value. It's to add value. So, so it's, it's, it's simple for me in that way. If it aligns with my purpose on this earth, then I'm always not doing it. And my purpose is to serve. Well, we we appreciate it. And yeah, no, you've given us great value. And it's, yeah, it's been really. Um, yeah, refreshing to talk about di- different things in relationship to sort of bodybuilding. Yeah. So that yeah, it's been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you know, bodybuilding. Everyone talks about bodybuilding, so it's just mm-hmm. trying to trying to attack things. We're still talking about it, but we're trying to attack it from a different perspective. You want to provoke thought. You don't want to tell people what to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's like one pet peeve I have. It's like who am I to tell people what to do? Do you know what I mean? But when you can provoke someone's thought, then you leave them with it. Then whatever they make of it, do you know what I mean? That's up to them. Yeah. So you always just aim to provoke thought as opposed to saying, you should do this, you should do that. No, no, that's not the business of them. Well, I don't know myself, so how would I tell anyone else what to do? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, well, you've provoked yeah. a lot of thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that that's the goal. You've so we we've got. I know you've 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 said a few things. I'm like, I need to go and think about that. Like, <laughs> I, I really really like your approach. Now yeah. you're making me go to bed thinking. Yeah. There we go. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the goal. The goal is never to be a passenger in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's, it's to live a life that is constantly, you're constantly questioning yourself. You're constantly questioning the choices you make and whether they align with your values, whether they align with your partner's values. Do you know what I mean? Whether they align with your insoles. Because it takes courage. So for me, I always say, I had this conversation yesterday. I think I shared a picture of my story. I was having a conversation with uh, another guy who's been, who, who left his sponsors because his values didn't align with those of his sponsors. So he actually walked away from a very good amount of money per month. And I remember saying to him, you know, of all virtues, courage is the most important bench to practice because without courage you can't speak the truth mm-hmm. without courage you cannot be kind without courage you cannot love without courage you cannot stand for your principles without courage you cannot be patient without you know and the list goes on we could be here all day <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so once again, you know, it's, it's just different perspectives and different things to focus on that will get you where you want to get. And uh, it's never always working towards a goal because without courage, I won't then accept Andy's invite here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? And then. And then the chain would not just go on, and then I would end up not affecting people, yeah, my my tribe, and you know, and this and that, and then I would be fulfilling my purpose. So it takes courage from Andy to be able to message me, yeah, and say, "Are you willing to come on this podcast?" You know, and then take courage for me to accept it and say, "Yes, I am." You know, whether it was related to Africa or not, and Kenya or not. Article, even though he tried to sell, sell it to me that way, or he wasn't selling it to me. I suppose he was just telling me how important it is for people beyond the boundaries to listen to. So, sure. I think I've rambled enough. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. That's great. No, that's that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Oscar. Yeah, and thank you. um. Yeah, I don't know. If Mandy might be competing next year at the Arnold. If he does, we'll have to come and support him. We might even see you in person, yeah. which would be amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, like I say, the gift of life and good health, I plan to be there. The two two in the middle. Nice. Excellent. Oh, yeah. All right. Good. Great. Well, enjoy your, your rice and the mints. Mm. And yeah. Thank you. Thanks again, Oscar. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. See you. Yeah.